Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Today we're going to focus on one uh, demographic in the complete totality of the city of Cleveland, and we've introduced um, a sermon series, a sneaky introduction, by way of our super regional leader a couple weeks ago, Joel Seymour, coming and sharing what it means to be a vineyard church. What does it mean to follow Jesus uh, today as a vineyard church? Does that make any difference whatsoever? Uh, Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, and we learn from Joel how to be naturally supernatural people. And then last Sunday, we talked a little bit more about vision and just God's heart for us in these times moving forward. And then this morning, I felt like God wanted to highlight the youth of our congregation, the youth of the city of Cleveland. Gen Z, can I hear you? Where are you? Okay. All right. And then next Sunday, we're going to focus a little bit more on volunteers, but also on uh, kids and what it looks like to be a vineyard church and serve kids well. And so this morning is all about the youth. It's all about you guys. It's all about um, God's heart for you. And so what's going to happen this morning is that I'll share for like 10 to 15 minutes on why, on the why, why are youth important. Why is V Youth important? And then Sarah's going to come up and share something really special. She's going to share about where we're headed and just uh, in general as a church. And then Joe Langston is going to get up and he's going to talk about five minutes on what is possible and share some stories from his experience in Fort Wayne. It's going to be lovely. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Um, so first, why, why is youth ministry important? Why is it, why is it important to, um, to us as a church? Why is it important? Why are youth important? 1 Timothy 4.12 says this. Paul's writing to Timothy. He says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. But set an example for the rest of us. Set a good example for the rest of us in speech, conduct, love, in faith, and in purity. So what I hear Paul saying here is that there is a part to play for every generation in the narrative of the kingdom of God. Everyone gets to play. And so often, so often when it comes to the rising generation, you know, you've got different generations and we call different generations different things. We've got the silent generation. We've got the baby boomer generation. And then it kind of gets a little bit hazy as to where X and Y fit. But we're really clear, right, on who Gen Z is. We're really clear on that. We're really clear on who Gen Z is. Now, if we're not clear on that, 
how Gen Z is defined is like any baby who was born in the late 1990s, mid to late 1990s, through the year 10,000. Uh, 10, Goodness. <laughs> 2010. So late 90s, so like 98 to like 2010. 98, like when I was graduating high school, 1998. Like 18. Those are the elder Gen Zs to 2006. My son, Luca, was born in 2006. My daughter was born in 2009. So I'm the proud parent of two Gen Zers. Not just one, but two. Not just one, but two. And so oftentimes, I think that pastors do an awful job when it comes to talking about Gen Z. So I'm going to not try to throw fuel on the fire. A lot of times when churches or pastors talk about the rising generation or in culture in general, at the workplace or anywhere, you will get, you will hear, mark my words, it'll happen, you watch, you will hear only the negative traits and statistics that are being talked about when Gen Z is talked about. Granted, sometimes from my mouth you would hear it. <laughs> I'm always rapping on Facebook and social media, and they're like, Facebook, that's so passe. That's so, like, years ago. That's what my grandparents, my grandparents are on Facebook now. <laughs> you know, rapping on social media, the whores of social media and all of this stuff. It's negative. And what I thought this morning and through the course of the last two weeks as I was planning this out was I've really felt God's heart for you teenagers, for you middle and high school students to call the good out in you because that's who your father is, that he calls the good out in you. There are very positive traits that you carry that are unique to your generation, that God has destined you to become a, a, a player in the role of the king, in the narrative of the kingdom of God. There are certain things that you carry deep within your heart, deep within your spirit, that no one else can bring to light but your generation. You'll be able to reach folks in your generation that I have no, I have no chance at reaching. There are positive traits, positive characteristics about your generation. And I felt like God wanted to highlight some of those for you this morning. In the context of 1 Timothy 4.12, not letting anyone look down on you because you are young, but setting an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. Now, every generation, every generation since the dawn of time has positive and negative traits about them. I just want to get that said this morning. There are very positive traits about every generation. But it seems to me that when it comes to your generation, for some reason, only the negative ones get mentioned. And so we're going to put a stop to that. Does that sound good? Because it's true that your generation possesses an authenticity that previous generations have not. This is what I, many other youth leaders that I've talked with all over the city are noticing about you. There is a realness about you that you're willing to tell the truth even at your own expense or even when it's hurt, hurtful or painful to you. 
that there's an authenticity about you. Now, does that mean you never tell a lie that you're like George Washington? I never tell a lie. No, that's not what it means. It just means that you are tired of the fake and you want the real thing. And I say, as a four on the Enneagram, that that is a very, very good trait to possess. Your search for something real will lead you, I keep on playing with this leather pick that's up here. I'm just like messing with, no, it's fun. It's a fidget toy. I'm like, hey, there it is. There it is again. Y'all are real. Now more than ever, young adults, teenagers, middle school, high school students, you're longing for meaningful connection. And you're hoping to find it in the church. You know, George Barna is a pollster. He does all kinds of research for this group called Pew Research Group. He surveys thousands upon hundreds of thousands of people. And he says that a plurality of 18 to 35-year-old Christians, this is the generation uh, right before yours, 19% agrees that friends are miss- missing from their worship, worship community. Vineyard Cleveland, we want to create a space where discipleship following Jesus can happen in young people's lives. So as these, what I'm trying to show here with a millennial stat is that as these Gen Zers are coming up, that the church would create a space where real and meaningful connection can happen. Because that place is where transformation happens. And to tie the whole thing together is, is, is my view you know where Paul, you know where Paul says, um, it is the Lord speaking, not I. And then later on, he says, it's I speaking, not the Lord. That's that part. This is Evan speaking, not the Lord. What I sense will happen in the United States of America moving forward is that the real Jesus will become increasingly difficult to find amongst the show. You know what I mean by the show? The show, the lights, the smoke. These kids have seen that and been inundated with it since they've been infants. And the sense for something real, for something authentic, will see past the pop show that the church is trying to put on and look for Jesus in those places. And if they won't, if they, if they aren't able to find it there, will say, I'm out. I'm just out. Because there is a need for meaningful connection amongst Gen Zers. It's like overwhelming. Like this is a, this is a main trait. Uh, parents of teenagers right now, this is a main trait of your son or your daughter that they want a meaningful and real connection with you. Alpha USA found that uh, Christians who are teenagers, middle or high school students are more likely to share their faith with their peers in a face-to-face connection than over digital. Did you know that? It's overwhelming. It's like 75% of hundreds of thousands of teenagers that were asked this question by Alpha. What Alpha found is that there's this realness, this authenticity that teenagers want, that they'd rather share Christ with their peers through face-to-face real conversations than through social media and the digital. 
Isn't that encouraging about Gen Z? Isn't that encouraging about middle and high school students? I thought so anyway. Gen Z is eager to know and grow their gifts. Christian Gen Z name friends as their greatest supporters of their gifts. Gen Z has a strong belief in authenticity and that your life should be a witness, not just your words. Gen Z also seems to have a strong understanding that disagreement is a part of life and making them more comfortable to have discussions across faith lines. That's really encouraging. Where you and I might say, we don't agree with each other, I'm walking away. This is what Barna found, is that our kids, middle and high school students, are less likely to do that. They're more likely to say, ah, we just disagree, let's move forward. That's encouraging. So, so don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, conduct, love, and faith and purity. Why is youth ministry important? Because these kids are worth it. They're worth it. Also because Jesus says so. That's why it's important. (laughs) It's biblical. Listen to this. In Deuteronomy 4, if you were... uh, If you were a Gen Z back in ancient Israel (laughs) and your mom and dad had raised you from a young Israelite, you would have known this prayer from your heart, from memory. It's called the Shema. Do you guys know the Shema? Uh, I've not done a good job as a Jewish parent to Luca because he just said, no, I don't know it. Deuteronomy 4, conveniently Jewish. Deuteronomy 4 says this. Here it is. Listen to this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, your, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Check out verse 7. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Ministry to and with young people has enormous biblical precedent. Throughout the Bible, we find young people being used by God, including such prominent figures as Joseph, Josiah, Esther, Jeremiah, Mary, Mark, Timothy. God works in and through young people. If we are to do what we see the Father doing, remember when Joel brought us that word a couple weeks ago when he came? So quintessential or a hallmark of the vineyard to do what we see the Father, to just do what we see the Father doing. If we're to do what we see the Father doing, the church must make it a priority to draw youth into his kingdom and to train them up as disciples. We must do it. The Old Testament is clear, and so is the New Testament. The Old Testament with the Shema that I just read, Psalms repetitively declares that God should be made known to future generations. 
Joel 1.3 says, tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. We're to train a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. It's all over the Old Testament. God even mentions youth specifically in Ecclesiastes when he, he says to remember your creator in the days of your youth. So there's a clear biblical precedent, not just in the Old Testament, but with Jesus' life and in Paul's writings as well. Why is V-Youth important? Why is youth ministry important? Because these kids are worth it. Because Jesus says so, it's biblical. And lastly, and then I'll hand it over to Sarah, because there's a need for young people to experience the authentic Holy Spirit, the felt presence of God. Our Lectio for this morning was uh, taken from Joel in the Acts version of the New, in the New Testament. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men and women will see visions. Your old men and women will dream dreams. Did you know, and I'm sorry, it's all been positive up to this point. So a little caveat to prove the point, this last point, that in America, Gen Z is the first post-Christian generation in the history of the United States. The challenges to the youth ministry model, when we think of youth ministry, we think of like Chubby Bunny and like what are other games that we play. And I know none of that is in the, Chubble, what? Is it banned now? Okay. Well, then I don't have to preach on that. Thank you, Christine. (laughs) If it's banned, then it's banned. It's canceled. Chubby Chubby Bunny is canceled. (laughs) Good. 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 Because this challenges the youth ministry model in America. It's not just about drawing. What I'm trying to say is it's not just about drawing a crowd. Because that's not where transformation happens. If it's true that the teenagers in America right now or over the face of the globe are wanting the real deal, are wanting an authentic article, and the data shows that they do, then we've got to give them more than that. Because transformation doesn't happen there. It happens by experiencing the Holy Spirit, the real Holy Spirit. If young people do not experience the Holy Spirit, discipleship will never happen. Transformation happens when we behold Jesus, period. Just that. When we grab hold of Jesus. When we're in community, that's where we grow. When we're in community, that's where we grow. And that's true whether you're 90 or you're two. Without an experience of the Holy Spirit, the next generation cannot become all they're created to be. They simply cannot. This happened for me in high school. The true stat is that most people will encounter Christ. Most people will experience Jesus before their 18th birthday. 
After that, the stats drop. I'm sorry to inundate you with numbers. I'm sorry if this is boring. But this happened for me when I was like 16, 15 or 16. The school I was going away for, uh, the school I was going to took me away on a retreat with the rest of our class, the freshman retreat. So I was probably 14, 15. And we went to this uh, camp in Ohio, and there's a little A-frame cabin up there. I remember it so vividly, this wooden A-frame cabinet. And the, one of the pastors at the church that was linked to the school that I went to, his name was Pastor Rick Newsom. It's an amazing guy. Still following Jesus, loves Jesus. I haven't seen him in decades. I'm sure he'd be just so tickled to know that I pastor a church these days. Um, and he and some of the teachers at the school that I went to created a space in that A-frame cabin. And all we did was pray. And all they did was share Jesus, and the Holy Spirit fell that night in the A-frame cabin. And I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'd never felt that before. I'd, you know, I knew all of the right Christian answers. I knew all the scripture verses, but I, didn't, I never felt God. I never felt any different inside. I had not experienced God. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit because everyone else was feeling it as well. And people were throwing down drugs and people were throwing down pornography. Into the fire it went. Because once we come into contact with Jesus, he changes us. And so we need an encounter with the Holy Spirit, not just our middle and high school students, all of us. We all need to be transformed. So why is V-Youth important? Because these kids are worth it. You're worth it. Because Jesus says so. And because there's a need in young people to experience the Holy Spirit. Sarah's going to share a story that I believe is super powerful. Where are we going? Um, Like the heaviest thing that the Lord has put on my heart is just that he sees, he sees our youth. He sees you guys. He sees you and he loves you. And my prayer for our community is that we all remember that we're in this together and that none of us can do this alone. We have a great team of leaders that are leading our youth, and they are precious and wonderful, and I'm so grateful for them. And what I, what I pray is that all of our youth, like as we're all here kind of doing church together, that we will we'll know each other and that there'll be relationship and that it won't just be our group of leaders that, um, that know our youth, that our youth know. Um, 
just to share like a little snippet of just how the Lord's been working in my heart. I mean, we have two teenagers, so it's just a part of our everyday life. So this is life for us. Um, but there were several weeks back, um, there was a morning where just super, you know, no guilt or shame at all in this. It was the Lord really working. But one of our volunteers who was scheduled to teach our youth um, just simply forgot. She had, you know, she had a lot going on. And I had the admin come and tell me, say, there's no one to teach youth this morning. And just like I rushed back there and I stepped into that room and my heart just like broke because here is this beautiful classroom of these beautiful people. And in that moment, the Lord was just like, like I, like I see them and I love them and they're not forgotten. And like just the love just gushed out of my heart just for these guys and just to be present with them. And there wasn't even a hesitation of like, I got to find someone to like teach, you know, youth this morning. Like just without any hesitation, like I just dropped everything. And it was truly just the Holy Spirit's love just like filling me. Um, And that's what I pray for like each one of us, that the Holy Spirit would just fill us like with his love for each other, for our youth, because they are the future and they they are wonderful. And there's a story that my friend, um, there's this great book called um, Contemplative Youth Ministry. And um, she shared this story um, with me. And... um, it's called Contemplative Youth Ministry by um, Mark Iaconelli. So I, it's, I highly recommend it. Um, but pretty much, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, but there is this story in this book about an older woman. I believe her name is Mildred. And she is, she's an older woman. And she, you know, she told the, the leaders in the church, like, I don't have the energy to keep up with these guys, <laughs> but, but like, I, you know, I want to pray for them. And so she was given, you know, the names of like, you know, 15 to 20 of the youth in their church with their pictures, their names. And for three years, she had been praying for them. And a sun, there was a Sunday morning where they asked her to, you know, be who distributes the communion elements to the youth in the church. And she's standing there and, you know, she had never really had any interaction with these guys up to this point. She was simply just, not simply, but amazingly praying for them and like their prayer requests. And that morning she saw them sitting in this area and they all one by one came up to receive communion. And like, she was just overcome with love for them because here she's seeing them face to face and she knows their names. And, you know, she, they walk up and she's like, Thomas, like the body of Christ broken for you. You know, Sophie, the the body of Christ broken for you. And she's just weeping with love for these guys. And later on, one of the women, she's like, Mildred, I saw that you were just really emotional. And what was going on? And she said, she was like, I have just like prayed for these youth for years and to see them and to say their names and to like just actually like be with them, just like the love of Christ just was bubbling like out of me. And she says something, there's something um, that I did want to read that um, I think is just, you know, my prayer for us, because no matter what our age is, it's like we're able to be like a part of each other's lives. Um, 
And it, uh, it says, there's no greater gift we can give our youth than our full and loving attention. I often picture Mildred's face when I consider the way in which I seek to be present to young people in my own life. Notice that she felt honored to be with the youth in the same way she felt honored to hold the bread of Christ. She was open and fully present, greeting each young person with a sense of gratitude and compassion. She was patient and slow, taking time to behold each young person. Her ability to receive those kids with love and compassion was directly connected to her times of prayer. Oh, I just love that. And I just love that, like, I mean, gosh, I don't feel like I have the energy to, like, keep up with you guys. You guys have, like, you guys have got so much, like, energy. But it's, like, I mean, I, I've made a list of, like, all the names of our youth that are actively present in our church right now. And, Lord, like, let more come and feel welcome and feel your presence. Um, but, like, I would love if you want, like, that list of all of these young people's names, like, to be praying for them. Like, by name, there's such power in that. Because you guys are seen and you're loved. And it's an honor for us to just be a part of your lives. And, you know, if, if you're feeling the Holy Spirit just stirring in your heart and, you know, you want, like, I would love to have a team who are like, you guys are like our prayer warriors and you are praying for our youth by name. And if you want their pictures, I'm sure all of us parents would be happy to send you pictures of our kids. And <laughs> they're like, please don't, mom. Um, <laughs> um, but I mean, I just think there's, so we all can play a part in this no matter what our age is. And like, what I love about our church is that we are like a multi you know, what's the word? Multi-generational. There we go. Um, community. And I, and I love that. And I mean, I was right on the others. Like I came to know the Lord at 19. I had already graduated high school. I like grew up believing in God and praying, but I had never heard the gospel. I had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ until I was 19. And I had friends that were, you know, at Vineyard Columbus who who, I mean, gosh, they didn't even like invite me to church, come to think of it. I like was like, hey, can I go with you guys to this young adult service? And they were like, yes. Like, so, and they were so excited that I even like asked to come, but like they were loving me and like their lives were so attractive to me because they did have something that I didn't know about. And if our, if our youth can know that like they're a part of something where they're seen and they're loved and they want, like you guys will want to like share that and like share the love of Jesus. And but, like we all have to play a part in that and like creating a safe space for each other, right? And so that is just like my heart in moving forward um, for our youth that we will all be, that they will know they're not alone and they will have people that are um, like a step or a few steps ahead of where they are to be able to have relationship with, like in the body. So, um, Joe, if you want to come up and, and share a little bit now. Joe. <laughs> up Thomas <laughs> thank you Sarah that's God's really good 
Uh, this morning, I want to share about some experiences that I had with the youth at my former church before I moved here um, to Vineyard Cleveland. Um, back in Indiana, I was a, a youth leader at that church for about 19 years. And so I had a, a lot of different experiences. And I don't want to share these things to say that I want to recreate what I had in Indiana here at Vineyard Cleveland, um, because we have a different group of people, a different time period. We're coming out of just a lot of different things. But I want to share this because I serve the same God now that I did when I was in Indiana, and I know that he's able to do some of the things that he did where I came from. <clears throat> so one thing about my former youth group, um, we, we called ourselves Entourage. So we were Jesus's Entourage. You know, we took Jesus wherever we went. And so... Um, one of the things about that youth group is they had an uncommon unity. Um, it was just, and it didn't happen overnight. Um, <laughs> there, there was a season where we had these high school students that were just unruly and, and just <laughs> out of control, and there wasn't a whole lot we could do to teach them or to, to um, you know, to, to rein them in. And so we just started praying, and God started moving, and... Um, those high schoolers ended up becoming leaders within our youth group to invite other people in and to make a safe place where anybody could come in and feel safe and comfortable and loved and encouraged and supported. Um, we had black youth. We had white youth. We had Asian youth. You know, we had mentally handicapped students. We had development as disabled students. We had an atheist in our group. All of those people were coming and they felt comfortable and loved and supported and encouraged wherever they were at along that spectrum in their walk with Christ. They felt comfortable coming to our youth group and saying, I belong here. This is a place where I fit in and where I belong. And again, my heart is that Vineyard Cleveland would be a place where youth from the Cleveland area can come in and where the youth that we have here can say, I belong. Come into here. You, it's safe here. Come into to these places because you're, you will be loved here. You will be supported here. You will be encouraged here. Uh, another uh, characteristic of the youth was steadfast worship. And so we had some really talented musicians. And so we had a, a group of musicians that would lead um, the worship during our youth group on Sunday nights. But they also led worship um, within the church as well. They started getting on the ministry teams within the church. And I know that we've got some really awesome, talented musicians in our youth here. And I've seen them up on stage, and I've seen them um, leading. And again, God is moving within their hearts, and um, that excites me. That makes me really, really excited. Also, we had a group of, of youth that we called the servant team. And these were high school students that had committed their lives to, to serving Jesus and to serving the community, uh, the body of believers that they were in. And so some of them were on the worship team. Some of them served in children's ministry. Um, some of them uh, served at the coffee bar, um, prayer ministry. Just wh wherever ministry was happening in the church, youth were able to plug into those ministries based on their gifts 
And um, they worked with the ministry leader, but also we had leadership within the youth group um, that would meet with them on a regular basis and, and talk through, you know, some of the experiences that they were having, maybe how things went really well, maybe how things didn't go so well. And again, just discipling them and helping them to grow into their giftings. And again, I, I see similar giftings here, and I see similar things already happening here where our youth are leading in worship. Our youth are leading behind the scenes in the, in the children's ministry. Uh, and again, that excites me, and that's, that's what I desire to see um, even more of. And also, um, another thing that, um, and this one's going to get deep pretty quickly, um, but it's, it's good, it's really good. Um, our former church was a healing community. So it was a community where youth that had traumatic backgrounds, youth that had been abused, youth that had um, just really horrible, bad things happen in their lives could come and the Lord would meet them and heal them where they were at and take, the, take them through those steps of healing um, that they had to walk through. And so, um, like I said, God over time had built a, a pretty solid foundation of a safe place for these youth to belong. And because they had that safe place, when things happened, they, they brought those, those hard things, those difficult things, to the leadership. And again, we walked through them together. Um, so actually, six years ago today, we lost one of our youth through a very tragic incident. Um, and he was 13 years old. And... Um, well-loved within our community. He was just one of those neat kids that everybody loved. And he always had a smile on his face. And it was just a very tragic loss. And we actually found out right before our youth group meeting that he had passed. And so our youth didn't even know heading into this meeting. Um, and we were tasked with sharing that information with them. Um, and so that was a, a very difficult night um, but again, it was a beautiful night because God showed up and, and we cried together and we prayed together. And um, again, it was just a beautiful night. What came out of that tragedy was this group of people that were already very tight-knit became even more tight-knit and they supported and encouraged one another. Um, the, the church that I belong to um, on Sunday morning services, it's a, it's a really old church, uh, over a 100-year-old church, and we had the old, um, uh, up at the front, we had the kneeling altars. And so in our church, if you went to one side, that you could go and kneel and, and, and pray, pray to God by yourself. And if you came over to the other side, then, then the, the leadership would know that you wanted somebody to come up and pray with you. And so um, obviously, as, as our youth are dealing with this grief in these difficult times, you know, they would come forward and, and receive prayer. Um, and what was really beautiful in that is that um, the youth didn't come up alone. If one youth came up, 10 more youth came up to pray over them. And then after they received prayer, some of, them pr some of those youth that were just praying would kneel down and get their own prayers. And again, uh, the, this, uh, the tragedy wasn't only within our youth. It affected our whole congregation. But our youth, again, as you know, Eben was talking about this morning, 1 Timothy 4.12, our youth were setting an example <laughs> for our whole body on how to get through this healing process, how to get through those difficult times. 
So again, my, my heart and my passion is that this would be a safe place. Heaven forbid that anything like that would ever happen here. But if it did happen here, that this would be a safe place where our youth could belong and receive help and encouragement and strength through those difficult times. And, you know, youth in today's culture, it, it, it's more difficult than any other generation that I know of. Again, I've been doing youth ministry for a long time. Um, they're just inundated with sin. They're just inundated with the world. And um, to, to stand out is difficult. But as Evan said, they want to. They have a desire to be real and authentic and to share the struggles that they're going through. And no, I'm not perfect, but I do want to follow Jesus. And God can take that heart of somebody who wants to be real and authentic and wants to follow Jesus and do some really awesome and amazing things. But again, the youth don't have the ability to do these things on their own in a vacuum. They need a place to belong. They need volunteers. And like Sarah said, we have some really awesome volunteers. We have some volunteers with a heart and a passion to disciple these youth. And I believe there are more of you out in our congregation that have that same heart and passion. And I challenge you, if you have that heart and passion, um, step up to the plate. In whatever way that means, again, the giftings that you have, the things that you have to offer our youth, they need them. They need your prayers. You know, they need your support. They need your encouragement. Um, they need your food. <laughs> uh, our youth love food. They love to have snacks. And so whenever we gather, they, they love to have snacks available. And, and, you know, I can go to Walmart and get some donut holes, but they would prefer to have some fresh-baked cookies or some fresh-baked muffins or some, you know, nachos. Buffalo dip, yes. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty specific. <laughs> but, but again, if you have a gifting in baking and creating food, uh, whenever we gather, our, our youth like to have food available there. And so, um, again, an opportunity for you to support our youth. And, um, again, parents, we want to partner with you um, because I, I have two adult children, and I know how difficult it is to go through those teenage years um, on your own in a vacuum, and you don't have to. Again, you know, our, our youth leaders, our youth volunteers have a heart and a passion to love and serve alongside you. And, um, you know, again, as, as a father of two adult children, I know that I can say the same thing 23 times, but if Jason says it to my son, my son hears it better. That used to make me so mad. <laughs> but it's true, okay? Because of the friction that you have in the teenage years, sometimes within your family and within your parents, they hear better from somebody else. So again, we want multiple people speaking into the lives of these youth, speaking the truth into their lives in a way that they can hear it. Um, 